Before we just jump into the scripture, I want to give us a moment to reflect on God's goodness. Because God does, see, sometimes we think that we have to go out and we have to work hard for the Lord. And through our hard work, God goes to work. Sometimes God just blesses you with something. And I want to show you a quick recap and some changes that we've made in what's happened at the Edgerton campus so that you can see. Because here's what I'm going to tell you, what I want to show you. God has done this on behalf for New City. God has started a church in Edgerton, and he's just let us be a part of his story. And God is inviting, I'm telling you, many of you in the room, in to be a part of his story as well. So when that property was given to us, this church, they were down to seven people, including the pastor and his wife of that Sunday. And that what you just saw was some footage from our last preview service and where we've been averaging about 140 people at that church. And what I want you to notice is that when I watch that, I'm not sitting there going, oh, all those people are from Shawnee. They're not all from Shawnee. About 19 of those people that you saw were from Shawnee. The rest of those folks are people that have been reached by the gospel in the city of Edgerton, the city of Gardner, and Baldwin City right now. And you are a part of that. I want you to know that we are now no longer just one church. We are now one church in two locations. And what is being proclaimed here in those spiritual truths are also being proclaimed to a new place. And guys, that is something to be excited about. In three years, God's allowed us to be a part of a new church plant. Not even on top of that, and some of you may not even know this, but this morning, also a church named, called Vertical Church started. They're in Miriam, just down the street from us. And Blake Funuff is the pastor there. And you guys, when you choose to give here and you've been generous, 2014 was such a generous year for us, we're able to bless Blake and his church plant. We've committed $45,000 to him over, the, over a three-year period. And 2014 was the first year. And so in 2014, we, New City Church, gave 15 grand to Vertical Church to help them get their church up and going, buying the stuff that they need as far as to present the gospel. This is a church that's, if you're looking for the place, like if you look around, you're like, I can't wait till we build our own building and it's really shiny and pretty. Man, you're just never going to be satisfied here. Because it's not my dream, our dream, to have a big church on a corner and, and people to drive by and go, wow, look at that facility. And God may give us that one day, but it'll be because God gave us. We operate debt-free. It's our hope that we do that as long as possible. No stupid debt, right? That's LSD. Long stupid debt, right? We want to operate debt-free and provide ministry opportunities for you and your family to come to. But we know that this is not the Christian experience. And this is the danger of church, is that too often, right now, in Kansas City and across America, people are going to church right now. Guys, we don't go to church. We are the church. We are the church. And so, man, we're going to honor with whatever God gives us. I'm praying for what's number three, Right? Where's the third spot? What's God going to do? If God, I mean, I'm, I'm trusting that God's going to choose to allow us to do that and make the path straight for us. And this is why Ephesians, I think, is such a great scripture to teach on. We're going to be in Ephesians for like 12 weeks. And we're going to give you opportunities to walk with us and learn with us. Ephesians was written by Paul to a group of church planners. Paul had been mentoring people, uh, these men and these women, and they all went out and they started these churches. Now, when we say they started churches, you think of this. That's not what it looked like. It was house churches, much smaller, and they begin to just kind of spread all over the place. And Ephesians is a manifesto, if you will. It is the blueprint for what Paul wanted to say to these church leaders and the people that called those churches home. And so when you read Ephesians, you're reading Hey, here's a how-to. These are important things that I want you to know, and we're going to be studying it. Now, it is our hope, right? We don't believe in waterboarding here when it comes to church, right? 
Like, we're not going to force you to read. We're not going to force you to pray. We're not going to force you to do any spiritual thing. But we will provide opportunities for that to happen. One of those opportunities is this, is every single day, I take actually one day off on a Sabbath, but every other day, six days of the week, I post a blog. And that blog is not my thoughts and my, what, what I think happened at church. I blog about what I read that morning in Scripture. Paul says to Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. And all I'm offering is an invitation for you guys to follow me as I follow Jesus. Some of you are much further along in your spiritual walk than I am. That's awesome. A lot of you are not. You're new to the faith. And you come here and you listen to the guy, uh, not just me, but the other men who, who get up here and teach you the word because you, you, you trust them with what they're saying about Scripture. And what we're doing with our blog is we're allowing you to see what we've read that day, some questions we've asked about the Scripture, and we're simply extending our hand and saying, will you walk with us? Now, some of you don't need that. You've got your own reading plan, you're faithful in your quiet time, your abiding time, whatever you call it, but a lot of us are not. And so we're saying, hey, here's an opportunity. You can get there on newcitychurch.com by clicking on the blog, or you can follow us on our website. You can subscribe to it, and it'll send you right an email. But here's the thing. We're inviting you to walk with us. The second opportunity that we're providing over the next 12 weeks is on Monday nights at 7 o'clock, we have, um, it's either going to be in this room or in the preschool room. And so if you come to it and nobody's in here, go over there. And if you go over there and nobody's there, then come in here. And if you come in here and nobody's here, it's probably you're the first one here, so just hang out and somebody will join you in a second, right? But Charlie Blair, one of our elders, is going to lead out on an Ephesians study time. And I'm not going to say that it's a more in-depth look to what we're doing because that's not really the goal of it. The goal of it is to help you and to teach you and to train you on what it looks like to read and study the Scriptures on your own. And so it's kind of like whoever's teaching that Monday night, you get to look over their shoulder on how they studied and prepared for that Ephesians study on Monday night. It's at 7 o'clock. It'll probably go for an hour and a half. It's free, and I invite you to come. What do you need to bring with you? Bring your Bible and bring a notepad or some kind of device that you use to take notes because we want to learn. We want to get better together. And there's a third thing. If you'll look behind you, you'll see glowing lights. You go ahead and you turn around. That's right. See those? those? That is our, what we're calling our brown to green corner. You're like, what in the world is that? We are providing an opportunity for you. Like today, if God says something to your heart in today's message, like you just feel the Holy Spirit poke at your life, we're encouraging you not to rush up to your car, turn the radio on, get home to the game, and completely miss what God might be trying to say to you. We're going to have leaders that we trust with you, and to pray with you and talk with you at those tables, and to go back there and simply say, hey, this is what I think God's saying. Now, I'm warning you, okay? You must be careful. If you go back there and you kind of spill out some stuff going on in your life, like some stuff you're struggling with, things you're looking for prayer on, they're not going to pat you on the back and go, oh, it's okay, God loves you. Now, God loves you. But what they're going to do is say, because God loves you, He has spoken to that very situation in His Word. What is the Bible saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? We are not going to do high fives. Hey, tell me all your problems. All right, go high five and on your way. Keep living the same way. This past week, had a young lady who came to me and said, man, I need some help. I put her in touch with some people that could help her in our church. You know what? She didn't want help. She wanted money so that she could stay in her same situation until her more money came in. Guys, we're not doing that here. We're not playing church. We want to know if you need money, we're going to bless you. We'll help you, right, if we can. Don't hear that. We don't know. We do. But we're not a bank. We're not a payday loan company. We want to get you in the Word and what is Jesus saying to your life and then how do you follow. And that's at every level, from the spiritual baby to the spiritual gurus. And so let's jump into Ephesians and see what the Lord has for us. And today I'm kicking off on Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer that he prayed for these pastors and for their churches. And he says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation. 
So he starts off with this thing of, I pray that God gives you spiritual wisdom and revelation. So I want to talk about those two things briefly. Let's talk about wisdom. You can get wisdom for a variety of things. Did you know that? Like if 2014 stunk for you financially, you can seek spiritual wisdom. And that would be a good thing. You, uh, for me, I love Dave Ramsey. And you can do some research and start listening to Dave Ramsey's radio show. You can listen to his podcast. You can buy his books. And you can apply his principles, which are a lot, I think a lot of them are biblical, to your life and your financial situation would improve. You could, teach, you could find, seek out financial wisdom. And there's a lot of other guys. I didn't get a plug or a check from Dave Ramsey for saying that. It's just a guy that my wife and I value. You may seek uh, marriage Marriage help, marriage wisdom. Jim and Margaret Plummer are in the room, and they lead a prepared and rich class for us. And it's something that's an assessment that to strengthen you, if you're, uh, uh, or possibly strengthen you if you put in the work, if you're engaged and going to get married, or if you've been married for some time or just a few times, and uh, to help you get better, right? It's an assessment. Is Jim and Margaret going to fix you? No. Did you know that you can't fix anybody? Only God can fix, but we're going to give a pathway. But maybe you're looking for relationship wisdom. You could join their class. It's on Thursday nights. Is that right, Margaret? When, I'm sorry, Wednesday nights at 7? 6. 6.30. I will get it right. See, this is why I write stuff down. But they just started last week, right? And if you want to be a part of that, you need to email me on your, on your Connect card. Make a note, matt at newcitychurch.com, and I'll give you more information. Matt, two Ts, at newcitychurch.com, and I'll connect you with Jim and Margaret. But you can get wisdom. You know that if you can get wisdom for your March Madness bracket in two months, you can already start looking on the websites and deciding who you should pick. And everybody's going to tell you Kentucky, and that's probably what you'll do. But you'll go with your heart and pick Kansas, right? I know what you, or K-State. But you can seek wisdom for anything, anything. But what good is it if all you do is acquire all of this information? Did you know wisdom is not the acquiring of information? Some of you think you are wise because you know a lot of stuff. Some of us, we think we're wise because we've read a lot of books. We've read a lot of uh, articles. We, 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 we know a lot of Scripture, but wisdom, I want to give you a definition as this. Wisdom is simply knowledge applied. Proverbs teach us that when you know a lot of stuff, but you don't apply the stuff that you know, you're foolish. You're naive. You're a simpleton. But when you are a person who acquires this knowledge, and acquiring knowledge is great. I think you should. I love to learn. But then you have to apply that knowledge. When you apply that knowledge, now you are wise. And some of us, we think just because we know it, Somehow that we're okay. How many times have you thought, why did I do that? I knew better. You didn't live in wisdom. You operated out of knowledge. Now, at New City, we say it like this when it comes to knowledge applied. We say two questions. What is God saying to you? And the second question is, what are you going to do about it? So the knowledge piece is, what is God saying to me? Like, you have to read and discover, but then the application is, now, what are you going to do about it? Now, Paul said it. We operated in that way, but what did Jesus say? Jesus said in John 14, 15, he's quoted as saying, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Some of us, we proclaim that you love God, but yet you don't do anything he asks you to do. That's silly. That's not loving God. You have a broken idea of what love looks like in God's eyes. Jesus says, look at Jesus' words. If you want to tune me out, that's fine, but look at the scripture. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. How do you get that knowledge? How are you supposed to know what his commandments are? You read his word. And then once you read and you begin to see specific things, then you apply. Now you take those two things together. You have the very thing that Paul prays that God gives you, spiritual wisdom. You are acquiring spiritual things of God, the, the wisdom of God, and now you begin to apply it into your life. Paul says that's spiritual wisdom. But he doesn't just play for wisdom. He also prays for revelation. Here's the definition for revelation. Revelation, in context of the scripture, because I know some of you are like, oh, I know it's the last book of the Bible. 
All right? But it's also this, concerning things before unknown. Concerning things before unknown. Paul says, now notice this prayer, that God the Father would give you spiritual wisdom and revelation. Now please hear this, specifically if you've been in church for a long time. Only God can reveal things to you. Some of you think that you know it all. And the, 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 the enemy of spiritual wisdom is spiritual pride. And if you're not careful, you will think these thoughts. And I'm just going to say them out. I don't mean to offend you. But in my, there's been times in my life when I've thought these thoughts about people. You think, and I've thought, well, what can I learn from you? I've already read Ephesians. I know what the scripture says. And you kind of walk around spiritually puffed up because you got this. You know this. You have a lot of knowledge. And I just want to warn you. Man, be careful that you don't slip into spiritual pride. What does God say about those who are prideful? He goes to war against us who are prideful. He, he literally goes to war against you when you become unteachable and when you are not a learner. Listen, only God can reveal. And so that means that, yeah, even you as smart as you are, there are some things that you can't comprehend unless God allows you to see it. If a man or a woman ever comes to you and tells you they have God figured out, run from that person. I'm serious. Don't hang out with them. Don't eat with them. Because they are, listen, God is a great mystery. And he reveals what he wants known about himself to you when you're ready for it. I, wanna, I don't know if you can see this. Here's a practical ap- application for me, for my own life. Is look how much my book of Ephesians chapter 1 is marked up. I read Ephesians chapter 1 for an entire month. That's all I read. I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians for an entire month. That's all I read. In Ephesians 1, I just kept going over it and going over it. And it was like, sometimes I would read it, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before. I've never noticed that before. I'd read it just the, the day before or the week before. And now it was like something new. Because God would reveal, as I read more and more deeper truths about His Word. And to say that I've got it all figured out now would be crazy. I don't. God is a mystery. Now, Paul prays for spiritual wisdom, and he prays for revelation. And then he begins to talk about three specific things. That because of the spiritual wisdom and because of this revelation that God gives you, that your eyes would be open and you would be able to see three specific areas in your life. Now, here's what I want you to hear. I'm going to paint wide brush strokes on these things, but I can't reveal them to you. I can't tell you specifically what they are for your life. Only God can do that. And because of that, I want to spend some time on this little soapbox of mine, but it's a great soapbox. And it's this soapbox that says this, Church, we must mature in our faith. We must mature in our walk one way. We have to get past the place that when somebody asks you about what you believe, <coughs> like for example, I mentioned Revelations earlier the book. If someone asked you, hey, what do you believe about end times? You should be able to answer that question without saying, well, I think or I feel. That's what teenagers say. See, a teenager is, and I'm not picking on teenagers, right? It's just the way it is. They're typically, unless you have the mature one, right? I wasn't one of these. We are typically ran by our emotions and what we feel and what we think. It drives what we do. And in our faith, the same might be true. And we want to get to the place that when someone asks you what you believe, you're able to communicate that based on the Scripture, not based on your opinion and not based on what you feel and not based on what you believe, but grounded in Scripture. Church, it's time that we grow up. Some of us have been going to church for years and you can't define articulately through Scripture how how salvation happens, what Jesus did on the cross. Like, you you don't know how to say that. 
Like you can't, like if someone asked you at your workplace, you wouldn't be able to communicate it. But yet you've gone to church for years. It's time to grow up. Mature in your faith. How? Man, you read. You say, Matt, I can't. It's too hard. Come on, you say this. It's boring. Come on, you said it. I don't understand it. And you say it just like that, actually. Yeah. Now, I use those three examples for this very reason. Those are the same three things that my twin five-year-old girls and my three-year-old son say about going to school. They say the exact same thing. It's too hard. You know, in the morning when you're getting dressed and it's cold, and they've been in their warm blankets all, all night, and you're making them get dressed, it's a little cold in your house, and they're, I don't want to go, it's boring. I don't care. You're going. I've got to sit down. I don't understand. My daughter, Christy, lives for homework. She's weird, right? Allie and Luke, they're like me. Who cares? It's too hard. Listen, there was a time when my little girls couldn't draw a little H or a big H, but now they can draw the little H and the big H. There was a time when they couldn't draw the letter Z. Now they can draw the letter Z. There was a time when it was just too hard, but you know what? They kept going to school. And lo and behold, you know what happened? Now they can write almost every letter of the alphabet. They, you know what? They can get it. And I'm guessing there was a time too in your life when you just did. There was a time in your life when you couldn't skip. And thank God for kindergarten, now you can skip. Maybe, well, some of you probably might not be able to. But it's more of coordination than know-how. There's spiritual truth in that. The very thing that you say, I don't get, it's boring, I don't understand. Listen, if you will hang with the Lord, if you will, this is what I tell my buddy Jake, you get no cheat days. You don't get a day off from reading your Bible. You don't, it's, this is not the gym. This is not eating healthy. Man, if we're going to grow up, church, if God's going to be able to give us spiritual wisdom and to be able to reveal to us things in our lives, then we have to sit with Him. You have to learn from Him. Here, I'll give you three opportunities in this. Well, I'll get to them in a second. I don't want to get too far ahead. But you're going to have to put in the work. And if this is the only time on a Sunday morning when you hear spiritual truth, you're going to spiritually starve to death. And I'm saying we must grow up. We don't send our kids to school one day a week. So you shouldn't read your Bible just one day a week. However often you make your kids go to school should be the same amount of time that you spend in the Word. It's time to grow up. It's time to be able to stand. This is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. And it's able to allow the Lord to speak to you through His Word and through His Spirit. And so if you're just looking for a faith where you just go and you sit, and somehow that answers all of the spiritual questions in your life, man, listen, this is not the place for you. And I'm just going to be honest with you. If the only time that you talk to the Lord is when you're brushing your teeth, come on. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up in our faith and understand the things of the Lord. When we do, God can begin to answer these three things that Paul prays. And the first one is this. Because God has given us spiritual wisdom, because God has given us revelation of Himself, we can pray, right, that we may receive, if you want to look at the exact wording that Paul prays it, so that you may know the first thing, what is the hope of His calling? What is the hope of His calling? Another way that you might say this, or the hope to which He has called you. You were called towards something. If you're in the room and you have been rescued by Jesus, you have been saved, you have been called for something. Everyone in the room. If you're in the room and you say, no, that's not true for me. No, listen, it's true for you. God has called you for a specific purpose. Now, here's what God does not do. God does not call you and then sit back and go, well, I'm just going to watch you, little sneaker, and see how you turn out, and then I'm going to give you an assignment. 
That's not biblical based. Look at what Psalms 139 says. Psalms 139 says, All the days ordained for me were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. Before you ever said yes for the note, people that like to fill out the blanks, here you go. Before you said yes to Jesus, God had a plan for your life. Before you ever said yes, before you ever went to that camp, before you ever came to church on Sunday, God had a plan for your life. Your life didn't catch God out by surprise. Your decision to follow Him didn't catch Him by surprise. God had a plan for you. You are called toward something. Here, Paul is talking about the past. He's talking about the time when you did something, when you were revealed His truth and you responded to that. Now, most of us will say, I have no idea why God saved me. So I can go to heaven? That's a good thing. But that's the end result. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you were called for a very specific purpose on this planet. Think of John the Baptist. John was called to prepare the way for the Lord. What was Moses called to? To rescue the people out of Egypt. Now, I'm not saying your task is that huge, but you have a task. And the only way you can discover it is by sitting with the Lord and allow Him to reveal that to you by His spiritual wisdom. Rick Warren wrote a book. What on earth am I here for? And he wrote another book called 40 Days of Purpose. I love those books. Some people don't like them. I love those books. Why? Because it gets you in the Word for 40 days. It gets you reading spiritual things for 40 days. And it moves you away from, oh, I think, and oh, I feel. You were called. Sit in that. I want you to know that. You were called. You have a specific task. And the second thing Paul prays is this. Or actually, let me give you these because some of you want to discover it. Number one is read, pray, and listen every day. The second one is obey God. And the third thing is seek wise counsel. That'll help you determine. The second thing is this, that Paul prays. That we may have a better understanding of the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Words that we don't use, right? Like those, that's not a sentence that's easy, easily maybe to understand for some of us. What Paul is saying, he's talking about future now. He's talking about when you die, that as a person who follows Jesus, you have an inheritance that lies before you. Like some of you have a really good life. And Paul would tell you, oh man, it's going to get a lot better. Like, it's, like you think it's good now? It's going to be awesome. Some of you, your life is really hard. Like it's just a struggle for you to get here. You can't pay your bills. I mean, you're just like your life is off rails, right? And you, Listen, Paul would say to you, it's going to get better. So some of us are walking in faith following Jesus where we're on the mountaintop. Things are great. And some of us are following Jesus down in the valley where things are very hard. And Paul says to both people, to both situations, it's going to get better. Stay focused, right? the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints. There is something that awaits those who finish the race. Let me say that again. There is something that awaits those who finish the race. There's two typical thoughts when it comes to salvation. And I'm, I'm just going to say this, and some of you can like be offended by this. I don't know where I stand. Can I say that? I need to do more research in the Scriptures so that I don't tell you what I think or what I feel. But I'll tell you the two camps. When it comes to salvation, there's one camp that says, once saved, always saved. You can't lose it. And there's another camp that says, oh, you can lose it. Better be careful how you live. Now, both of them, there's a lot more stuff to get into on both sides. But you're in one of those two camps more than likely. In wisdom, no matter what you believe, you should live your life in such a way that you could lose it. Some of us, I hope you're right. Because the way we live our life is in such a way that you just do whatever you want and you never counsel with the Lord. You never read his scripture, and you've got everything in the bank on that one time you prayed the prayer at that camp. 
And ever since you got up off your knees, you've done what you've wanted. You've dated who you've wanted. You uh, work where you want. You spend your money where you want. You serve when you want to serve. You do, I mean, everything is about what you want to do, and you don't seek the Lord's wisdom. And I, I just, I'm, I'm telling you that there is something about finishing the race. And the question is, what is the race at which you are running? Look at what Paul says. Paul says in Philippians 3.14, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Like Paul says, I was called to something. Paul says, in, a, in a, I believe it's in Galatians or Thessalonians, he says that his call was to take the message to the Gentiles. He was the one that God picked to start telling the gospel to the Gentiles, which is all un-Jew un people. People who were not Jewish were Gentiles. And Paul's mission, his calling, was to those folks. Paul understood that. And he said, I got a race to run. I have to finish this prize, which I was called upward for. Paul knew that. Some of us, because things have gotten hard and things have gotten challenging, you don't run as fast as you once ran. And you've given up and you're not as committed as you once were. You used to be very faithful to church and very faithful to the Bible and very faithful to the Lord. But now there's been other things that have stepped into your life and you're simply slowing down and you've kind of gotten lazy in your faith. Finish the race. Keep the vision in front of you of what God has called you to. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning there are people, men and women, who have come before you and died prior to you that have ran the race and ran it well. They've suffered much for this gospel. We think it's hard because somebody at the Christmas dinner made fun of you because you went to church. There's people right now in our world that are losing their heads, literally, because of this gospel that we proclaim. And the gospel is this, Christ crucified. That while you were still a sinner in church, please may your ears be opened. That while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. That in your brokenness, in your mess, in all of your depravity, Jesus died. He went to the cross for you. So that by his death, you could be forgiven. You could be reconciled to the Father. So that in all of your mess and all of your shame, you don't walk to Jesus with your head down and you're like this with God. You can stand confident because the blood of the Savior covers you. And because of that blood, and because of that sacrifice, you walk boldly as Jesus walked. And you leave the rest behind. You, 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 that stuff is dead. The addictions are dead. The pornography stuff is dead. The adultery stuff is dead. The greed is dead. The sleeping around is dead. And you say, I will submit all of these desires, all of these things in my life, to that of the cross. And as Jesus was crucified, I also crucify my desires. And Jesus, I choose to follow you. That is the message, the gospel that we proclaim. And some of us, it's time to say yes, Lord, to that and to leave this mess behind. Look what Paul says here, or the writer of Hebrews says. He says, we must get rid of every weight. He said, listen, he doesn't say Jesus must get rid of every weight. Look what he says there. We must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings to us so closely. Some of you are seriously expecting Jesus to come down and unplug your computer. Some of you are seriously expecting Jesus to come down and sprinkle some kind of fairy dust on your life, and then you'll start doing something different. The writer here says to get rid of it. Show some strength in your life. Show some self-will and simply look at your sin and say, no, I refuse to do that. And I'm telling you, when you do, your sin will remind you in a great wave of what kind of feeling and euphoric emotion it brings in your life. And in that moment, you will decide, will I die to it or will I die to Jesus? And I'm telling you, strip off of the sin and the stuff that's pulling you back and follow the Lord. Finish the race. Church, we've got to grow up. How hard is it? You can't, you can't follow Jesus and also follow your addiction. It's so challenging. You get so confused. You're trying to serve two things. Follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Vision. Finish the race. We've got to grow up. The third thing. 
Paul says. He prays for our past, right, with our calling, that we would discover that. He prays for the future riches that await for us in heaven, for us to finish the race strong, and then he talks about our present. And he said that God's power, that we would, under, we would understand and discover God's power, uh, God's incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe. We sing a song. I don't know if you paid attention to the words. Right before I got up here to teach, Curtis and the guys sing a song about the very same power that was in the resurrection is in us. But let's just be honest. We don't live in that power. We don't live in that. I mean, come on. This is one of the areas of my life where I want to grow in 2015. Like, I don't know if you have like a goal or like a, something you want to kind of understand better in 2015. I do. Maybe you'll follow my lead in this. I want to have a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit in 2015. You know, the Holy Spirit sometimes gets treated like that weird uncle that shows up at Christmas stuff. You know, he's there. We don't know what to do with him. You know, he was put him off in the corner. And yeah, you know, he's in the family picture, but it's weird. We got to have a better understanding of the Spirit, the very Spirit of God. That's one of the things I want to learn about. And also in the Spirit, what is his power? Like, I, I want to experience the things that the disciples in the book of, book of Acts experienced. I want to experience the true power that Paul experienced as he went about his day. See, a lot of times we expect the power to happen in here. And we see the church services on TV where people are falling out all over the building. That didn't happen in Scripture, church. It happened in the street. They didn't have this on Sunday morning. There was, there was never a time in, in, the, in the disciples' lives where people came forward on a Sunday morning and somebody hit them in the head and they fell down. And I'm not bashing that denominational thinking. But I will say this, the power of the Lord happened as they were in the marketplace and as they were going from here to there and as they came across people in their pain, in their hurt, and they said, what's going on in your life? And the man or the woman would say, hey, this is it. It's my child. It's my marriage. It's my life. It's this illness. And they didn't say, well, come to church on Sunday and some bald, chubby guy will talk to you about it. There in the street, through the power of the Lord, they said, can I pray for you? And they would pray for healing. And miraculous things happened. Read Acts chapter 8. Philip went to Samaria. And through his working, through God working through him, as he just went about his day, the, 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 the whole city was changed because of one man and his family. Don't, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, it has to happen in an hour on Sunday. I hope God didn't oversleep. No, come on. It happens through us as we go and we experience the power. And here's what, I want, to, here's what I, I want you to hear with this, okay? This is the last blank and I'm done. God's power, most always. The only reason I say most always is because I don't want to put God in a box. He can do whatever He wants to do. But God's power most always follows obedience. I'm going to say it like two more times because this is, we trip over this all the time. God's power most always follows obedience. Here it comes again. God's power most always follows obedience. Why did I say it three times? It's because you're waiting for God to show up and God's saying, I'm waiting for you to show up. Some of you are like, well, Lord, when you do something, then I will. And God's saying, that's, that's not how it works. Find me in Scripture. Most times, God's power, His kaboom, His kapow, follows when people are obedient to the very thing He asked them to do. And meanwhile, we sit on our hands and say, well, God, I wish you would. And He's like, I wish you would. I've done everything for you. I've died for you. I've given you a calling on your life. I've prepared a great inheritance for you. Why are you living in a weak, miserable life? Here's why. We're not obedient people. We're people who go to church on Sunday. Let me say it again. Generally speaking, I don't want to hurt some of your feelings because you're very obedient. Most of us, we're not obedient. We just go to church on Sunday. I could have stood up here today. I could have printed something on a paper about what Paul prayed, and you wouldn't know if it was truth or not. 
It is time that we grow up in our faith. It's time that we mature and we understand what the Lord is saying to your life and then we follow that, young or old. I think of Isaiah. When God said, who can I send? Isaiah said, send me. Send me, Lord. Think of Samuel. When he was just a boy, God calls his name and Samuel runs to Eli. Eli, what do you want? Eli was his mentor. I didn't say nothing, Samuel. Go back to bed. Happens three more times. And the third time, Eli said, if it happens again, you say yes, Lord. Because it ain't me. And sure enough, Samuel goes back to bed that night. This is a young boy. Samuel. Yes, Lord. And God put his feet on a path where Samuel became an amazing prophet for the Lord. He identified his calling. Church, the band's going to come up and we're going to do a song. We're going to try to watch a video about Edgerton. But that's not the most important things today. The most important thing is this, is that you lean in to what is the Lord saying to you today, if he said anything, and then apply that to your life. What will you do about it? Please, allow the Lord to minister to your life. This year, in 2015, please never go to church. Be the church. Don't go to the... This is a building. Be the church. Sit with the Lord. Understand His desire for your heart. And like back here where I said those lamps are, talk to people about it so they can walk with you as you're walking towards Jesus. Now I'm going to do something I didn't do in the first hour. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Matt, I don't know what it is, or maybe you're saying, Matt, I know exactly what it is, that the Lord has spoken to me, He is speaking to me, will you just put your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. For those of you who put your hand up, here's my encouragement. Please don't leave here today without talking to someone about that. Please don't leave here today without having someone pray for you and encourage you in the word. Jesus, we love you. It is our desire to follow you as best we know how. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. Church, would you stand with me as we sing this song together?